Thank you so much for joining us today for our LifePoint podcast. At LifePoint, we believe everyone's welcome, nobody's perfect, and with God, anything's possible. Hope you enjoy. Well, good morning, everybody. How are you today? Yeah. So we're in this series called Asking for a Friend. And uh, what we've been trying to do over the past several weeks is talk about things that may be on people's hearts, maybe on people's minds. Maybe there are things that don't ordinarily get talked out talked at uh, about at church. That's what I was trying to say. Um, and, so, and so we're saying, what does God have to say about this? Or what does the Bible teach about this? Or what does the church think about this? Or what should I do in this situation? And we've been just kind of going through that. Last week, if you missed it, we talked about, and I know this is going to be a surprise to some of you, we talked about dating um, because there's so many people who get in such a mess around dating, young people, teenagers, college people, and now people are dating all the way into their uh, later ages. Um, and it's complex and it's confusing. And so if you didn't get a chance to take a listen to that last week, if you weren't here last week, go back and listen to it, lifepointsa.com. Uh, go check it out on one of our podcast places that we, uh, iTunes and all the other places that we have them, and take a listen. Today, I, uh, I want to tackle something near and dear to my own heart, um, just because of a season of life that I have come through related to this. And I just want to start out today. How many of you um, are dealing with uh, fear or anxiety or worry on some level in your life today? Would you raise your hand? If you, if, it doesn't have to be today. Just, okay, awesome. The rest of you are all lying, all right? And so <laughs> you're like, the pastor just called me a liar. Um, we'll talk about lying next week, apparently. No. <laughs> Um, but the, the, the truth is, is that I think all of us deal with anxiousness, worry, some level of fear uh, on some level, at least some of the time. And depending on the season that you're in right now, you may be overwhelmed with one or all of these uh, things. Let's, let's be honest. Life is hard sometimes. Can I get an amen on that, somebody? It's, uh, uh, it's just hard. And there's a lot going on in our own personal lives, not to mention all the stuff that's going on in our world. Uh, I don't even watch the news. I don't listen to the news. But every now and then I'll be stuck in a room where it's on and I'll be like, oh, yeah, this is why I don't watch it. And it's not just because I, I want to keep my head in the sand about what's going on. It's just because there's so many <laughs> bad things happening. I mean, we were, in, we were in Houston this week on a trip to Memphis, Tennessee, and we were there. And we were, we were stuck there. The planes, all the flights were canceled. I don't know why they took us in there. But we were watching the news, and it's just like people being rescued, people on the top of their roofs. And we're like, oh, this isn't somewhere else. We're in the town it's happening in, right? You're like normally going, poor Florida or poor Georgia or wherever it's at. But this time we were in it. And it's just like overwhelming. These people who just repaired their homes two years ago, they're back underwater again. And it, there's a lot going on. And then, let's be honest, some of us, actually pay to be afraid about stuff. I'm looking at you roller coaster people, right? Come on, any roller coaster people in the house today? Like you love that? That's right, this is the first service. The young people are all still asleep somewhere, right? Um, we're, we're, so, some of us pay to raise our stress levels. Like, like uh, you go to movies that are, that are scary, you're gripping the edge of your seat, your blood pressure's up because of the Netflix series that you're watching right now. Something super scary, something super dramatic or whatever. And then you're like, after you do that, you're like, let's go to bed now. And you're like all nervous and you can't go, you can't go to sleep. And you're like, I can't sleep and I don't know why. Uh, you're paying for it. How, how many of you are like scary movies? Any scary movie fans in the house today? 
Something wrong with you people, man. Come on, the rest of us, I don't watch them. I don't, I don't, I'm not interested in them. I don't want anything to do with them. We got people in this room, well, maybe in this room, and maybe it's the next two rooms, but who go to uh, like, like the, the, what do they call those, haunted house or the 13th floor deal. Let me see your hands if you're one of those people that likes to go to those deals. It was like, I'm afraid to raise my hand now because you've made fun of all of us. Anybody ever do, do these, right? I, I, I was online just looking at some pictures the other day because there's one called, um, uh, and, and they had like a, a, a scene where they just kept taking pictures of people. This guy's literally like three feet off the ground. Go, go ahead to the next one. I love these pictures. They were, I was dying. Like these girls, like the one girl's got a Louis Vuitton baseball cap on and she's like, like, like it's a cross, like, hey, look away. And the one lady's just bawling her eyes out and she's paying for this, y'all. Look at this guy. Every, you ever notice that everybody starts to hug each other and like maybe her leg's gonna protect it and the dad's like, what have I done? You know, go to, go to the next one. Look at this. There's some kind of wedgy thing going on with the mom. The dad's like, I, I, go back real quick, go, go back. The dad, look at the dad's face. What's, what's happening right here? Go to the next one, there we go. There we go. Look at this. Like this, this is like normal, but look at the kid's shorts right there. Like the people are scared of his shorts. The monsters are scared of that. All right, next one. Look, look at this next one. Like he's strangling her and taking a bite out of her head all at one time. Am I, is there any more? Let's go to the next one. Look at this one. I don't even know what's happening here, but that first guy around on the right there, you just want to hang out with him, right? Look at him. Look at him. All right, next one. Next one. Look at this guy. He's like, I'm going to come back and kill you later. <laughs> that dude's for real scary, y'all. Look at him. I hope that's not your cousin. Anyways, um, next one. And look at these guys, man. And the dad's like, I just came from playing golf. I don't even care. <laughs> Their hair is literally raising up off the ground, all right? And, and they paid to do this, everybody. They paid to do this. You got to love that. You got to love that. Why, why do we do this to ourselves, right? These people made a decision to go get freaked out and raise their cortisol levels, you know what I'm saying? But, but in all seriousness, worry and anxiety are a really big deal in our culture. There's a ton of research, and I looked at a lot of it over the last few weeks, that suggests that, that this generation of students, and I'm talking about from kindergarten all the way through college aged, are the most stressed out and anxious generation in history. Like, lots of data out there to support this. From school pressures, um, like never before, to make grades so that they can achieve things, because not everybody's parents can buy their way at the USC. Come on, y'all. I'm saying. Um, sorry about that. I just, that was too much, too soon. I don't know. You, you, remember, you remember, guys, when kindergarten was about drawing pictures and making crafts? <laughs> now it's like, study for the star, or you're going to cause our school to lose funding. Sorry, teachers, I know that you're trying your best. You, you add to that, though, you add to that the societal pressures that have come at our students from social media, and there's this epidemic, apparently, of anxiety that is literally uh, crippling a generation and has raised the use of medications to treat that anxiety to all-time levels, and I just read some research the other day that said over the last 10 years, the suicide rate amongst that age group went up dramatically. 
And then there's the generation just above them, millennials, who are reported to be the loneliest generation of all. What, a, what an incredibly sad state of affairs for our students and young people. Never before have the opportunities, and by the way, I'm gonna get to the scriptures in a minute for those who are, he hasn't even read a verse yet. Hang on, we're just presenting the problem. We're gonna get there, I promise. Um, it, never before have the opportunities for connection uh, and connectedness been higher because of technology, and yet at the very same time, the rates of people self-described as very lonely have never been greater. So it's no wonder then that anxiety is such an issue. So we're going to talk about that today. What do I do with my anxiety? And, and again, according to the research that I came across, when they were trying to figure out what's the one thing over the last 10 years, and this is the, the, the research that they had been doing that was 10-year period, and this was from multiple sources. What was the one thing that changed over those 10 years that caused all of this angst and anxiety and, and, and loneliness and all of this stuff? And they said, without equivocation, that the main culprit for the stress, the anxiety, and the loneliness is the smartphone. Right, you already knew that. There were other stressors, of course. There are other indicators. But for most younger people and people even my age, um, the smartphone and all of the information that we have, we've got access to isn't helping us in a lot of ways. It's actually harming us in major ways. Of course, it's not the phone itself. It's just a piece of technology, right? Um, it's the constant flow of... Now, hear, hear me now. It's the constant flow of information, constant flow of information, no breaks, no stop, no silence, no stillness, just information, information, and it's the constant flow of evaluation. I post something, and I'm being evaluated by my friends, and if they like it, then I feel better. If they don't, then, they, then, then I don't feel better, and this is a fact, and, and, and it's doing harm to us. It's doing harm to people. Time spent on phones and the pressures of trying to perform and conform are crushing people that you know and maybe some of you. S seriously, there's nothing, almost, almost nothing more powerful in our lives to make us feel badly about ourselves and our lives than social media, right? Honestly, I can be having <clears throat> a great day, be riding a high of some sort based on something that happened good in my life and scroll past a few people sharing their highlight reel and then just sort of feel bad about what I'm doing. Like, I, I can't be the only one. And like riding a roller coaster or going to a haunted house, we actually are choosing to do some of this anxiousness and, and stress. We're, doing, we're, we're choosing it to do it to ourselves. It's gotten so bad, I read this this week, that Instagram is testing uh, 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 the idea of taking the option of liking posts away uh, up in Canada. And I thought that was hilarious because they're like, let's try it out on the Canadians first. And... What do they know? You know what I'm saying? Like, like, if you're Canadian, I'm just kidding, kind of. But it's funny. I was like, let's try it on the Canadians. Okay, anyways. So, last thing, last thing, and then we're going to get into it. The APA, the American Psychological Association, had this article. I found it just again this morning, just to read through it again. And the headline said, constantly checking electronic devices is linked to stress and anxiety in most Americans. They actually created a new diagnosis called the constant checker. And they said five, uh, four out of five people have got this now. 86% of Americans that they, they, they talked to, they, they, they surveyed, constantly check their phones, their emails, their texts. They, 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 and they have something called imaginary 
notifications. Like they grabbed their phone out of their pocket because they felt a vibration, but it wasn't a vibration. It's just their nerves are so shot that it's like, okay, in my, you know what I'm saying? And, and they were saying that because people literally cannot help themselves to check their phones, to check their email, to check their posts that they made, that it's adding, adding stress and anxiety. And here's what they said. This attachment to devices and the constant use of technology is associated with higher stress levels for all of these Americans, which was 86%, they said. Some of you are like, Psh, I don't even know what a smartphone is. I never had one, but most people do. So what is, what is anxiety? Well, just definition, d- dictionary, a feeling of worry, nervousness, or unease, usually associated with some, some imminent event or uncertain outcome. Right? We can all get on board with that. That seems normal. But listen, it's much more complex than that. Anxiety can be physiological. Um, it can be emotional. It can be situational. But I would argue, because that's my job as a pastor, that it's always spiritual. There's always a spiritual component. Because anxiety is very complex, it cannot be approached from just one front. So wisdom says that, when, like, like, and I'm not talking about anxiousness that people get every now and then. I'm talking about people who are really struggling with anxiety. You can't just approach it with, hey, here's a sermon, or, you know, here's this one little thing, go do this and try this, breathe differently. It's got to be taken holistically, right? So if you're anxious chronically, if it's creating anxiety that can become suffocating or overwhelming, and I've literally been there, y'all, listen to me. I'm telling you, in 2016, some of you were here when, that went, when I went through that end of, uh, about this time in 2016, where my health just failed, and my doctors and my overseers shut me down for six weeks. They wouldn't let me, they, didn't, they said, you can't go to church. You can't even be there. You can't go to staff meeting. You got to shut it down or you're going to die. And, and part of this was some anxiousness. And, 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 and I didn't know what to do. There, were, there was two episodes. Some of my team were with me on a plane one time when I just couldn't breathe. I couldn't breathe. I didn't know what was going on. I couldn't breathe. The, the walls were closing in. They put us at the back of the plane. And I was like, I got to get off. I got to get off the plane. You're like, oh, we got, the, we got a crazy pastor. Yeah, you already knew that, though. Come on, anyways. Right? I went to the doctor, and I said, man, this is what happened. And he said, bro, that, that's a panic attack. And, and I was like, no way. I don't have panic attacks. I honestly didn't believe they were a real thing until I had one. Some of you are like, I still don't believe in them, right? Don't ha- don't, you don't want to have one. I had to approach that season of my life holistically because it was spiritual, it was physical, it was emotional, and no single approach was going to fix that. So for a short stretch, I took some medication. The guy says, here, take this whenever you feel your chest tightening like that. Just take this little thing. I don't even know what it was. I had a few of them. I took them whenever that happened, and then I was done with it. I went to the gym. I worked out. I, uh, I changed up my diet, went to a dietitian and said, look at me. And they're like, yeah, look at you. And now they're saying it to me again. Anyways, that was back then, though, when we're talking about back in the day. Now, we're not talking about right now. Anyways, um, I, I started changing what I was eating. Uh, and most powerfully of all, I took all of it to Jesus, and I let his word and his truth and his presence wash over me during that street season. But I got to tell you this. I got to tell you this. Every one of those things that I I did during that season were absolutely necessary for me to get through that season. You guys with me? 
Because I, I, I want to tell you, it takes wisdom when you start to think about how to handle depression or anxiety or mental health issues, which are a huge issue in our world today. So you may seek professional help. You may go to a doctor. You may get advice about supplements or your diet. Um, you may get professional help, take medicine, whatever it is. We think about taking this seriously in, in, in a holistic approach. Um, and I want to say that because anxiety isn't always a situation that a sermon or a song can fix, that oftentimes there will be other factors in play. And yet, I believe that God in one, one moment can change it all and can bring healing. But sometimes he brings the healing through a season of a multifaceted approach. Are you guys with me so far? Now, I'm not a doctor. I'm not a dietitian, clearly. I'm not a physical fitness expert, again, clearly. But I am a pastor. And so I'm going to offer a spiritual approach to anxiety today, knowing that oftentimes there will be other factors at play. But I will say this, I almost always believe that there's a spiritual component to it, and and you cannot fight spiritual warfare with earthly weapons alone. Amen, somebody? Now, the truth is is that many of you are right now, right now, at at a place where you're like, I'm going to break if something doesn't change, or I'm going to melt down if something doesn't change. And again, I know how that feels. Some of you right now, you're like, I'm, I'm, in that, I'm almost in that zone of I can't take it anymore. Maybe it's, a, maybe it's a doctor's appointment that you've just had. Maybe it's a bill that's facing you. Maybe it's a car that keeps breaking down. Maybe it's a relationship that you're trying, you're trying, you're trying, but it's, it's not working. And some of you, it's your schedule. Some of you, frankly, you're like, I'm a single mom and I don't know how to juggle. Or I'm a single dad and I don't know how to juggle all this stuff. And I'm working as hard as I can. So, with all of that said, let's look to God's Word, Philippians chapter 4, one of my most favorite passages of Scripture in all of the Bible. I'll read it with you. Philippians 4, verse 4, Paul says, rejoice in the Lord always. And I'm going to say it again. He says, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. And then if you're an underliner, man, underline this next phrase, the Lord is near. And then he says, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds, which are the two areas that get under attack here, in Christ Jesus. The New King James Version says, in verse, that verse 6, translates it like this, be anxious for nothing. I love God's word because throughout my lifetime I have found that God's word has answers for almost any situation that I can find myself in. That there's there's truth there to combat the lies that I am that, that the culture or the enemy is lying to me about. There's there's a comfort there to calm the chaos, the internal chaos that's going on inside of my heart. That there's an answer when there are two options that both seem perfectly normal and fine. Like I could see the wisdom of either one of them. There's an answer there. That there's an encouragement for when I'm down if I look there. So I want to give you, from God's word, I want to give you four thoughts about what to do with your anxiety from a pastor's perspective, all right? Number one, take it to God in prayer. This is what Paul is saying, that anytime you feel fear or anxiety working its way up to the surface of your life, prayer needs to be your first response, not your last resort. Come on, somebody. Prayer needs to be your first response, 
not your last resort. And from my own experience, I can tell you that there is always a cycle at work in terms of anxiety. And we see something out on the horizon that's causing us to worry, some uncertain outcome, a bill, a doctor's appointment, a kid's situation, a marriage situation, a big assignment in school that we haven't taken seriously. Whatever it is, we begin to feel anxious about it. And as it seems to loom larger, then we feel a weight. And some of you know that weight that you're like, I can't even hardly function throughout my day because I feel this weight on me. You feel an angst. You feel a dread. You feel worried. And what do you try to do in those moments? You try to take control of it. With me? I'm going to make this happen. I'll, I'll, I'll make her do this. I'll, I'll fix him. I'll, I'll change this situation. I'll control that. And so you try to take control. If you're like me, you try to take control. The problem is, is the more that we try to take control, the more we fear losing control. And the more we fear losing control, the more we try to take control. And then the more we try to take control, you see the cycle here? The more anxiety begins to grip us. And this is a cycle. And I've seen it play out in my own life over and over again. You think I'd grow, get smarter about it. And here's the thing, as worry and anxiety increases, this is, a note, this is something I've noticed in a lot of people's lives, including my own, prayer decreases. So I'm feeling anxious, so I'm going to go to the doctor, I'm going to go to the gym, I'm going to go to the pharmacist, I'm going to get me some CBD oil. Come on, somebody. Uh, somebody's already tried to sell you that a lot of times. And prayer, then, is my last resort. Come on, everybody. We, it's like, oh, the last time this happened, I ran to the doctor, I ran to the pharmacist, I ran here, I ran to the gym. I ran. That's all good. I'm not making fun of any of that, but prayer is our last resort. But if you're going to break this cycle, you break the cycle with, with the truth. We recognize this fact that you don't always have the power to control your situations, but you always have the power to surrender your situations. And the longer you live, the more you're going to realize I'm actually not in control. So you take it to the one who is in control and you surrender to him in prayer. You start there. This is my first response. Paul says in our text, don't be anxious about anything. Seems like terrible advice. Hey, everybody, don't be anxious about anything. Paul, you, you, you ain't living in our world, my man. Oh, he's chained in prison to a Roman guard, and he's awaiting a death sentence when he writes this little text here. He's not living in our world. He's living a little bit past where we, you and I are at, right? He has every reason to say, be anxious about everything. But he says, be anxious about nothing. But because he's not finished, he goes on and he says, but in everything. What, what does that include? What does everything include, right? Come on, you know the answer. My, my school pressures, my, my, my identity issues, my friendship weirdness, my marriage situation, my job uncertainty, my financial meltdown, children are doing crazy things, and the kids are like, oh, yeah, parents are too. Come on, everybody, right? Loneliness, re relational chaos, health crisis in every situation. Paul's saying, here's what I want you to try to replace your anxiety with. Every time you start to feel overwhelmed, every time you start to deal with all of the what-ifs of, of life, and you can't go another night, instead of worrying, here's what I want you to do. Now, implication is, implication is, tonight, as you can't sleep tonight, wrestling with that problem, that issue, that health scare, whatever it is, he says, tomorrow when you wake up and you don't still know what to do, he says, but in everything, by prayer, and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. He says by prayer and petition. Now, what's a petition, right? A petition is what you start passing around when you want to change the, the minds of the powers that be. 
and, 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 and you try to get as many names on the petition as you can because the more names, the more, the more weight the petition has, the more influence it will carry. And by the way, this is why we have a prayer team who's been, who prays all during the week when people write a, a prayer request down or, or email us or let us know what's going on. During the week, listen to me, this is not an affront. I mean this sincerely. These prayer ninjas, like they're going at it for your prayer request, amen? They're adding their voice to yours, knocking on the doors of heaven, giving weight to your petitions before God. So you keep, your response is you keep knocking on the door of heaven. And it can't just be this like 30 second, now I lay me down to sleep. Oh God, I'm facing a health crisis. Amen. Come on, somebody. Sometimes we need to learn how to get on our knees and pray until the answer comes. And he says, prayer and petition. He says, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. In in other words, in the middle of the prayer and the petition, in the middle of the anxiety and the worry and the stress, he he says, I I offer up a praise. I I raise a hallelujah, even in the middle of the darkest hour. I don't just get beat down by my circumstances. I press back with my praise. And here's what I know. Praise becomes rocket fuel for your soul. I'm hoping the next service, they're going to be louder than that. They're going to say, amen. Yeah. Because I simply don't know a better thing to do when I'm feeling anxious and I'm feeling stressed than to go, Lord, I love you and I know I'm feeling this and there's this thing looming at me. It's a real thing, God, but I praise you. I raise my hallelujah. Something happens at a soul level that that I can't get in any other way. And so while you're there in your prayers and in your petition and with your thanksgiving, you start filtering those fears and that worry and that anxiousness through the word of God and through the promises of God. Be anxious for nothing. Now, that seems to make no sense, but you know why it makes sense? Because most things that we worry about never happen. And we were anxious for nothing. Come on, somebody. The things we worry about that do happen are almost never as bad as we thought they would be, so we were anxious for nothing, right? And then, frankly, there are some stuff that happens that are horrific that sweep us off of our feet, and the only thing we can do is take those to God, and he always brings us through. I want you to think about right now the worst thing that's ever happened in your life. Think about it right now. Get it in your head, whatever the worst thing that's happened to you. And I want you to remember this. You're still here, <laughs> right? I'm not making light of it. I'm not making fun of, I'm not saying it was not horrific and significant. I am saying, though, that even after that, you're still here. It didn't take you out. It may have knocked you down. It may have knocked you out for a minute, but now you're up, you're still standing, so you take it to God in prayer. Number two, this is gonna seem so counterintuitive, but you humble yourselves, You know why this is important? Because the moment you admit to yourself, I'm not in control, this is bigger than me, and you surrender it to God, and you bring it to God's people, you're gonna turn this thing around. Because here's what Peter says, the apostle Peter, 1 Peter 5, verse 5, he says, in the same way you who are younger, I'm still calling that to me, that's a word for me, right? Come on, somebody. (laughs) Submit yourselves to your elders. Listen, we live in a culture that does not respect elders. And it's to our own detriment that we do this. Just a word to all of us who are still very young. Submit yourself to your elders. All of you, clothe yourselves with humility toward one another because, look at this now, God opposes 
the proud. I want, I want you to think about the kind of God that we often talk about who loves you, who's for you, who's with you. All of that's true. But the moment you start to go, I got this. I don't need anybody's help. I'm all good. He opposes not their notions, not their attitudes. He opposes them. He opposes the proud. But he shows what? Favor to the humble. So he then says, hey, listen. Humble yourselves, because if you don't humble yourselves, how many of you know that life has a way of humbling you for you? So better that you go ahead and get over yourself now, is what he's saying, and humble yourselves. Therefore, under, look at this, under God's mighty hand that he may what? Lift you up in due time, not your time, but in the right time. And then this, cast all of your anxiety on him because he's in, he, he cares for you. That what God, Peter said, what God is inviting us into is a kind of relationship where I can shift the weight of the concern and of the burden of, of the worry and the anxiousness. I can shift the weight of that over onto him. And that if I don't do that and I decide I'm going to carry it anyway, that's on me. Cast it all on him because he cares for you. There, there, there are two th- there's a lot of things to note in this text. I got, I got to do two and I got to hurry. I'm going I'm to start with a second one in terms of chronology here. He says, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God. Now, when I think about the mighty hand of God, it seems like scary, seems ominous, like humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, right? Uh, Until you remember, this is the same guy who Peter, who once walked on water. Do you remember this story? Jesus is out. It's a storm. He's out walking on the water. And Peter's like, hey, can I come out there too? And he's like, yeah, come on. Come on out here. And while he's out there, he sees the effects of the storm, the wind, the waves. He lets anxiety grip him. He lets worry happen, causes him to fear. He starts to sink. But in a moment of pure, listen to me, pure humility, he cries out, Lord, save me. And do you know what Jesus does? He stretches out his mighty hand to pull Peter back up out of the mire that he's found himself in. Let me ask you something. When you're in desperate need and you need a rescue, do you want dainty hand or do you want mighty hand? No offense to dainty hand, FYI. If you've got a dainty hand, I'm not making fun of that. You want mighty hand. And he's not saying humble yourselves under the hand of God. He's saying the kind of God that is powerful enough that no matter where you find yourself and no matter what kind of situation you're in right now, he's got enough power to pull you up and out of that. The other thing here is is he says to be humble enough to take it to people, to take it to other people, to humble yourselves towards one another, to submit yourselves to the elders. That may be a doctor. That may be a counselor. That may be a dietitian. Because remember, we're going to approach this holistically. But be sure it will take some humility to say, I need help. It will take some humility to say, I need help. And that may be in a life group. By the way, that's why we do life groups. That's the number one reason why we do life groups. I need help. And wise people know, listen to me now. Wise people, you've been here long enough, you've heard me say this. I didn't make it up, Andy Stanley did, but I love it. Wise people know when they don't know what to do, so they go to the people who do know what to do, and this is what makes them wise. And here's the takeaway. It's wise to learn from the wise, but it takes humility. Number three, quickly sleep on it. 
I won't say much here that hadn't already been said, but sleep, you guys know this is a weapon. And anytime my sleep suffers, I pay for it with anxious thoughts. And the more anxious thoughts I have, guess what happens? The more sleep I lose, right? So whatever you have to do to protect your sleep, do it. Take some Z-Quil. It's, it's, it's drug-free, man. Z-Quil's my new best friend. It's like Skittles at night. Just, I'm kidding. Just kidding. Let's take one. I don't even take two. They're supposed to take two. I take one. It's a beautiful thing. It's melatonin is all it is. And, and then just this, even when you can't sleep, even when anxiety is trying to take over, you go back to God's word. Go back to God's word. There's truth. There's comfort. There's answers. Psalm 56, David says, you've seen me tossing and turning throughout the night. He says, you've collected all my tears and you've preserved them in your bottle, which is just his way of saying, listen, you don't miss any tear that I cry. And he says, you've recorded every one of them in your book. That even in your sleepless nights, God's, God's, God is near, Paul says. And then Peter says, in those moments, I can cast, I can shift the weight of these burdens on, on, onto him because he cares, he knows. Last one. Number four, put it on silent. That's a word for somebody right now, right? Literally, turn off your phones. I'm just, I'm just messing. I'm just messing. Let me just make sure mine's off now. Okay, there we go. Listen, sometimes it's okay to not answer the phone. Like, don't check it. Maybe as a family, a word for your family is we need to go on a fast from our technology. It's a word for my family. I promise you, I have two teenage girls. Dear Lord in heaven. It's not just them, it's me. I'm worse. Anyways, um... Put a limit on the usage that your kids are allowed. Doesn't this just make sense? The research says it's harming them and it's harming their mental health. Maybe eliminate social media for a season or even better, just get rid of it altogether because let's be honest, is it really making your life better? Okay, this, nobody's like, no, I'm not doing that. Okay, I, I get it, okay. But I, I wanna be, I wanna take this a level further, put it on silent in a spiritual sense. There, there is this Old Testament prophet named Elijah. And there's this season that when we read a story of extremely high highs, which were followed by extremely low lows, and some of you have experienced that, I have for sure, where it's like, woohoo, and then one day, bottom, right? He's just stared down his enemy, King Ahab, and all of his false prophets, 450 or whatever there were, were of them, and he defeats them soundly in public. He doesn't do it, God does it through him. Um, Ahab has this wife. Ahab's evil, but his wife Jezebel makes him look like Mother Teresa. And Elijah's not afraid of the king. He's afraid of his wife. Come on, y'all. You know what I'm saying? Sometimes women are scary, fellas. We love you, ladies. Sometimes you're scary, all right? Um, so Jezebel threatens to kill him after all this has happened and doesn't phase him that the king had been trying to kill him for a while, but his wife comes at him and he spirals out of control. First Kings 19, we read this text, and I don't have time to get into it now. But he makes four mistakes, and I want you to hear these, okay? If you go read these verses, you'll see them. Number one, he runs himself into the ground. Literally, he runs. Once he hears that she's coming after him, he runs 100 miles. What is that? Three and a half marathons? Four, almost four marathons? He runs. He runs himself into the ground. Number one, he runs himself into the ground, literally, but also metaphorically. Number two, once he's run himself into the ground, because at the end of the run, he's got a friend that came with him the whole way. 
don't even know that's a good friend. But he tells this good friend, hey, you stay here. I got to keep going. He leaves his friend. He isolates himself from his friends. He runs himself into the ground. He isolates himself. Number three, he only focuses on the negative things that are occurring in his life, none of the positive. That's what you do when you get like this. You just focus. You get in the cave of your mind. He's literally now in this story, he's in a cave, and he's focusing on all the negative stuff, and he's listening to the chatterbox of the enemy going, you're not good. You're not going to make it. You, you should die. And then fourthly, he shuts out God. He, do, he makes prayer his last resort. And when God finally breaks through into his life, we see this in the story here, God says to him, hey, go out of the cave and go stand at the edge, and I'm going to show up. And immediately, there is a wind so powerful that the mountains are shaking and the rocks are falling down. It's like chaos ensues. And he's like, surely that was God, but, but that was, God wasn't in that wind. And then there's an earthquake that, that knocks everything down that the winds didn't knock down. And surely that was God because he's big and he's powerful and he's mighty hand of God, but he wasn't in the earthquake. And then there was, a, there was a fire that swept through there. This burned everything up, but God wasn't in the fire. And finally, there was a gentle whisper, a breath of air, as it were. And God had shown up in Elijah's life in the silence, in the stillness. God speaks. God, God was not in the remarkable. God was in the ordinary. And when we're hurting, when we're afraid, when we're overwhelmed, why doesn't God speak so loud that we can't miss him? Why does God whisper? Because our life isn't a whisper. The, the voice of the enemy isn't a whisper. It's so loud sometimes I can't sleep. Like the dog that was barking last night. I couldn't sleep. So, so it seems like God should come along and be even louder than the noise of life. So we wouldn't miss him, right? But, but he's, he doesn't yell. And he doesn't try to scream, out-scream the enemy and, 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 and get above the noise. He comes in a whisper. Do, do you know why? He does this because Paul says in Philippians 4, the Lord is near. You don't, you don't yell at somebody who's in chaos or in crisis or in trouble when you're so close that a whisper will do. You, you, don't, you don't do that. When my kids were little and they would have a nightmare or they'd freak out in the middle of the night and come freak us out in the middle of the night because their faces would be this close to us. Dad, ah, you know. I go, I go run into the room and we just, just lay beside him, get as close. I want him to feel my presence. I wanted him to hear my voice and I'd whisper, it's okay, Dad, Daddy's here. I'm right beside you. And, and I think that's a word for some of us that you got to focus on the God beside you rather than the problem in front of you. Because when, 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 when the psalmist David said, David says, Psalm 34, 18, the Lord is close. Who's he close to? David says, to, to the brokenhearted. And he saves those, listen to me now, who are crushed under the weight. They're crushed in their spirit. They're crushed under the weight. He's close because he's been there, that wherever we can find ourselves, he knows what it feels like to be pressed. He knows what it feels like to be lonely. Go read the story of Jesus. He knows and he draws near to those who are pressed, who are crushed, who are, who are broken. And he's as close the Bible says is the mention of his name. And God whispers, for the heart that's guilty, I'm going to give you a heart that's forgiven. For the heart that's resentful, I'm going to give you a heart that's full of peace. For the heart that's anxious, I'll give you a heart that's confident. For the heart that's lonely, I'll give you a heart full of love. Some of us, 
right now are running ourselves into the ground, chasing a dream, chasing a shadow of, hey, y'all hang out just for a second right there, chasing a shadow, chasing, chasing the shadow of our dad who was, we're trying to prove something to him, chasing a shadow of, of whatever's going on in our lives. And we're thinking we're running ourselves into the ground because something's right behind us. But li- li- listen, let me finish with the Psalm 23. Last thing, last thing. I love Psalm 23. You know it by heart by now, most of you do. Could you say it with me? The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters, and there he restores my soul. He, he leads me in the path of righteousness for his name's sake. And yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. And your rod and your staff, they comfort me. And you prepare a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over, and look, Surely, goodness and mercy shall follow me all of the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Some of us are running from something in our rearview mirror, our past, but what what God is saying is, I'm before you, I'm beside you, and behind you, I've got goodness and mercy coming in right behind you. Man, somebody just needs to receive that as a word for your life right now that is anxious, that is afraid, that is letting fear or worry overcome you right now. I want to pray for you. Lord Jesus, thank you for this moment. Thank you for this time. Thank you for the word of the Lord. God, I know there's so much going on in our hearts, in our lives that is heavy, that is stressful, that is trying to beat us down, to break us down. I know there is so much going on in our world that is noisy, that is fearful. But Lord, even in the presence of my enemies, I will fear no evil because you're with me, Lord. And God, I'm just praying for somebody who's been where I've been, who's been where sometimes life wants to push me back, but I understand now how to fight this, Lord. I just pray for them, God, that they would feel your nearness, your closeness, that goodness and mercy are behind them that are, and, and that you're, you got us in the house of the Lord forever. I pray your blessings. I pray your strength over this. I pray it in Jesus' name. Hope you enjoyed the podcast today. If this ministry has impacted you in any way and you'd like to help us continue to reach others, please visit lifepointsa.com slash give to make a donation. We hope you have a great rest of your week and we hope to see you soon at one of our Sunday worship experiences. God bless.